Hey, we're gonna we're gonna dig in. If you are visiting us this morning, um, I just I kind of I want to kind of um, preface this a little bit. Um, these last two weeks, and then we're going to kind of continue that this morning, um, have kind of been like, it's kind of been like this big family gathering these last few weeks of things that we're kind of digging into, and I'll, and I'll kind of recap that and what, that, what that's looked like for you a little bit. Um, but so if you're here, we welcome you. We're, we're glad that you're with us. Um, some of the things I may say um, won't, won't be for you, because um, you're not a part of this body, you know, throughout the year and stuff like that. So um, kind of make sure that you, you can kind of pick those things apart. Um, but if you're visiting us for the first time, we've been in a series entitled True Lies. Okay, and so what we've been doing is we've been examining um, different, different phrases or different sayings um, that we, that, you know, in our Christian circles sound really good, um, but when you weigh them against what Scripture has to say, there's no truth to them. Um, okay, so for, just wait, here's one example. A few weeks ago, um, we did, we did a, a series called, uh, it was a series um, we okay? Sorry, I'll, I think I was covering this up. Um, and it was, um, God won't give me anything more than I can handle. And it sounds good, um, right? Because we want to believe that God's in control, which he is. Um, but God does give more than we can handle because if we could handle everything, there would be no need for him. Okay, so that was just one example um, kind of of where we're at, okay? And so today's true lie um, that I've entitled uh, is that being missional is for professional Christians, Okay, and so when I, now when I say professional Christians, I'm talking probably primarily, um, you know, people who are in vocational ministry, pastors, uh, missionaries, things like that. Um, okay, so that's where we're at. Uh, you can check out our previous messages, just so you know, on our website. Uh, it's www.gunnisonbethany.com. You can just go to the media tab. Listen to, to some of the um, previous ones in this series. Um, two weeks ago, Tom had to engage uh, a pretty difficult message here at Bethany, um, and basically what it was, and, and again, I encourage you, if you, um, if you consider yourself part of our family and you haven't heard the message from two weeks ago, um, you, you need to listen to it. You need to hop online um, so we all are on the same page and, and kind of um, know what's going on here. Okay, so two weeks ago, um, Tom kind of had to bring everybody up to speed on where we're at as a church um, as it relates primarily financially. Um, we had our, our mid-year, uh, right, in June or July, whatever. At end of June, our mid-year um, budget meeting with the trustees and the elders, and we all got together, um, and basically we're about um, $30,000 behind in, in giving and things like that, okay? And so that projects to a year-end of about $60,000. And so we kind of looked at all that stuff, um, and, and it was a tough message because he, he relayed some, um, some cuts that, that we've had to made, make, and um, uh, among that was staff. And, and if you noticed, if you're here for the first time and you haven't been here, we don't have donuts and coffee anymore. Um, we, don't, you know, we don't have bulletins, which for some of you, you just use that as a, you know, like a gum wrapper. So, um, so that's okay. Uh, but there's a lot of things that we, that we had to cut, okay? And so um, listen to that message. Again, if, if you consider yourself a part, so you kind of know where we're at. So that was two weeks ago, and that was kind of like a reality check of... of um, of where we're at as a church um, and how it's tough. What you may or may not know um, is that day, the response to that day uh, in, during the giving time and, and then even last week was incredible. Um, so, no, so that's awesome. And, and God is moving. And, and just, you know, be encouraged. Um, you know, we, we didn't want to have like this, you know, this, share this message and then like the whole kind of atmosphere just be like, ugh. So, so last week, um, we kind of had to pick up a little bit, all right? So if you were here last week, Mike Perman, who is one of the missionaries that we support, um, he's down in Gallup, New Mexico. He came up um, along with, uh, with Roy Adams from Hands and Feet Ministries, who works in coordination with Mike there at the Navajo Reservation. And, uh, and they came in, and it was kind of funny, because in talking with Roy afterwards, he said, you know, like, I kind of had just, like, this blanket message prepared, like, I was going to come in and share, like, you know, the history and vision behind Hands and Feet, and, you know, you know kind of do that thing. Um, he said he came in, and he walked back here to our prayer board, and he just, and he stood there, because they came in on a Friday, and he went back there several times, and he just read through the prayer requests. And among them um, were things like, um, help us, our church is broke. And then someone crossed out, um, you know, the word broke and put broken, you know, put an N. Uh, we are broken. We are broken. Um, okay? And so, and so he went back there and he said, man, like, they kind of caught wind of what had happened, you know, two weeks ago with the message and where we're at as a church. And so they, they were kind of c- able to come in and say, look, like, we're guys who are active on the mission field. Um, 
we want to light a fire underneath you. And so, and so they talked about, um, you know, their, their mission in particular and things like that. And Roy spoke. And, um, and so I kind of, last week, like, it was really encouraging and kind of uplifting, especially on the heels of a week that was not so much. Um, and so they were able to kind of, like, light a fire underneath us. It was really, really good. Um, and so, again, you can, you can catch that on the website if you're cu- curious. Um, some of the things that are on there. Um, and so today, as I was preparing, preparing for the message, uh, I was kind of thinking about and praying about what do we need to hear um, kind of, you know, on the heels of the last two weeks. Um, and so as we've been leading, meeting as leadership, um, you know, with the, with the elders and the trustees and things like that, these last couple weeks, these last few weeks, um, kind of, kind of a, a main question keeps popping up. Um, and it circulates around our... Um, our mission statement, okay? And so what, what I want to do um, this morning is we're going to actually put the mission statement up. And, uh, and we're going to read it all together. So read it with me, okay? To be a growing, relevant family of missionaries who desire to see Western State and Gunnison know Jesus Christ. Okay, now I, I want you to take a minute and just read it to yourself again. Um, and then just kind of take a moment and reflect on that. So go ahead, just read it again. So the question we've been asking is this. How many of our people, how many of us, A, really believe that here at Bethany Baptist Church, we we can see Western State College and Gunnison come to know Jesus? And B, how many of us are behind it? How many of us get it? And we're sold out to that mission statement that God, that we believe is leadership, that God has given to us. This is not something man-made. Because to be quite honest, if even half of us did, then it would be reflecting in what? The three T's, right? Time, treasure, and talent, right? But that's just not happening, and it hasn't been happening. Here's just one small example. Um, and, and look, I'm not, I'm not going to stay here all day. Um, just, just one thing, and Tom doesn't know that I'm doing this. Uh, he'll find out on Tuesday when the when the sermon goes up online. Um, here's just one small example, and I don't and I don't say this like as a guilt trip, but maybe there's some people who just don't know um, what ways you can use your gifts or, or what ways you can serve. Just and just small ways, little little ways that we believe help us accomplish our mission better. Okay, so here's one example. Among the cuts, as I mentioned, were the donuts and the coffee. Right? Seems like a small kind of kind of just like weird thing. Um, you know, but it adds up throughout the year, okay? Um, do you know who took it upon themselves as a responsibility every Sunday to go and get the donuts and bring them over from City Market and, and, and to sit in here and brew the coffee and we come early? Do you, do you guys know who did that? Tom. Tom Burgraff did that. Look, his full-time job is at Western State College. Um, and then he's, yeah, he's here throughout the weeks. Um, for you know, prayer meeting and elders meeting and and uh, and staff meeting and other people meetings, <laughs> and often he's up into the late hours of the night preparing his messages each week and getting phone calls and going and meeting with people and doing all that, and and at the very least on a Sunday morning, Tom should be able to be freed up so that he can be spending time in prayer and getting his heart ready for the day for the message for the service and spending time with you guys. Um, and I just have a hard time believing that that no one could really own donuts other than Tom. And maybe there's someone here this morning who's like, well, Ryan, that's his job, you know. He's the pastor. He's the professional Christian. Um, you think that's part of, you know, the way to accomplish the mission. That, you know, that's his job. He should do that. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit more this morning. Let's pray real quick. God, thank you so much um, for this new beautiful day. It's so gorgeous outside, God. I just dro- was driving this morning and, and the blue skies and these last few days just over this kind of Gunnison holiday weekend has been so so beautiful. Uh, so I thank you for that. I thank you for, for each and everyone here in this room, God, um, as we gather together to, um, to kind of dig into your word, God, and un- unpack um, something, something good that you have for us today. Um, God, be with us. Um, prepare our hearts. Um, make us sensitive. Make us like sponges almost, just ready to take in what you have, God. Um, God, I want your words to get through today. So speak boldly in this place today. And as always, we pray that you would show up and show off. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Okay, so if you've been around Bethany, 
for any amount of time, you most likely have heard us use the word missional at some point. Okay, and so in, in my searching this week of, of like a spot-on definition, um, just, just so we can be clear, because sometimes like we hear the word missionary a lot, right? Um, but maybe like missional is kind of like this new like real cool progressive term or whatever. Okay, and so what, what does missional really mean? And so in searching for that, um, I came across a write-up from a dude named Alan Hirsch. Um, he's also the author of a book called The Forgotten Ways, which kind of examines the topic of, of reactivating the missional church. Um, super, super solid guy. Um, and so I want to give credit to him. Um, and it's a little bit longer definition than I was looking for, um, but he nails it on the head. So just bear with me. I'm just going to read this uh, for you this morning. And um, I think I'm going to try to figure out a way. I, I'm, I'm just going to say this and hope that we can make it happen um, because it is a little bit longer. Um, this is an awesome awesome write-up and and definition of this word. And as we're going to kind of um, examine about how our lives should be on mission, this is something that that you should know or or that you should have. So we're going to put a link on our website um, so that you can click on it and go and get this definition um, of what I read this morning. So I hope that's okay that we do that, media guys. Okay, Um, (laughs) here we go. A proper understanding of missional begins with recovering a missionary understanding of God. By his very nature, God is a sent one who takes the initiative to redeem his creation. This doctrine, known as Missio Dei, the sending of God, is causing many to redefine their understanding of the church. Because we are the sent people of God, the church is the instrument of God's mission in the world. As things stand, many people see it the other way around. They believe mission is an instrument of the church, a means by which the church is grown. Although we frequently say the church has a mission, According to a missional theology, a more correct statement would be the mission has a church. Many churches have mission statements or talk about importance of mission, but where truly missional churches differ is in their posture towards the world. A missional community is patterned after what God has done in Jesus Christ. In the incarnation, God sent his son. Similarly, to be missional means to be sent into the world. We do not expect people to come to us. Missional represents a significant shift in the way that we think about church. As the people of a missionary God, we ought to engage the world the same way he does, by going out rather than just reaching out. To obstruct this movement is to block God's purpose in and through his people. When the church is in mission, it is the true church. As as if those words aren't powerful enough, um, God commands us to be on mission. Ever heard of something called the Great Commission? We're going to throw it up right here on the screen so you can read along. Also, there's Bibles underneath the seat. So if you, if you don't have one, you can grab one. And then if you don't have one at home, take it with you. Feel free. Okay, so we're going to put, put this up. It's Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And, uh, and we're going to read through here. As now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Okay, I'm going to stop really quick. Uh, it says the 11 disciples. That's because one of them was dead. His name was Judas. Okay, I'm sorry. I just had to throw that in there. Um, okay, and, and so, but some doubted, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Um, as I was spending time with Ryan this week, our, our youth pastor, and we were just kind of talking through, through this whole thing, and, and he pointed something out to me. He had a class um, just kind of really examining like this whole topic of, of being missional and, and, and as it specifically relates to the Great Commission. Um, it's something interesting that he pointed out to me that I think is awesome for us to understand. Um, in Greek, um, the original context here, um, the, the appropriate suffix, if you translate it, um, is the ing ending okay? So, so it's not like a one-time command because I'm sure that there are people that have done it or, or that would do it. Like take this as well. Yeah, he did command that once upon a time. Um, this is a progressive command, okay? So in Greek, it's therefore as you are going, therefore as you are baptizing, as you are preaching, as you are being sent. It's progressive. It's like sanctification. We're not just saved once. We are being saved continuously, okay? And so it's like that. It's a progressive command. And so I just think that it's important to understand that. Um, we're going to read another one. There's another one. In, we're going to say in Matthew. We're going to back it up a bit. It's Matthew 22, 34 through 39. This is good stuff. And, and my, most people might not take this as, 
as, um, as a command to be missional. But let's look at this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now it doesn't directly say anything about missionality there. But here, but here you go, right here. When we fully comprehend the words love and neighbor together and, how, and they're used together in this verse, then that compels us, that should compel us to go, to be sent to love our neighbors here at home and abroad. Last week when our guest speakers were here, um, as I mentioned earlier, they did a great job of, of kind of lighting a fire underneath us. Um, and a lot of what they had to say was, was about this. I'm um, kind of giving us a report of, of the mission that's going on, specifically there uh, in Gallup, New Mexico. Um, and, and I want to echo that and the importance of that. Um, at the same time, today, kind of one of my goals is, is maybe to give a little bit more practicality to it. Um, because Bethany, you've got to understand, um, traditionally has been a church um, that, that pays and prays. Okay, and so here, here's what I mean by that. Um, identify a missionary, send them out, um, you know, pray for them, and, and send them money. Um, and that's it. Okay, but as far as us putting it into practice um, and into action for ourselves uh, has been, to a certain extent, non-existent. Um, and so, um, while they're on mission, so as you're here, and may- maybe you're here going, man, like, I, I want to serve, I want to go, but I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. Do I have to be like a Mike Perman, um, where, where, like, sell everything and drop everything and move away and just rely on God completely to, like, like I don't have anything. And, you know, if, if he provides you know, food, then I can eat, you know? Um, do I have to drop everything? And so, no. God called Mike to that, and that's awesome. Let me be clear. Um, you do need to go, um, but not necessarily like Mike. God called Mike to that, and that's awesome. And praise God that he had the obedience to follow. Um, but that can look like a lot of different things. I think what's important to realize here is that being missional is a lot like worship. In fact, it is worship. We talk all the time here about, hey, make sure that, um, you know, this thing that we call worship, that, you know, that this, this is a lifestyle. This is not an issue of 25 minutes of music on a Sunday morning. Likewise, our lives should be on mission. Josh Pierce, one of our elders, one Sunday morning, just like randomly after elders meeting, look for it on your way out the doors today. He just went and he got his little stencil and he, and he hopped up on his stool. And, and what's above, anybody know? What does it say when you're walking out of the doors? Now entering the mission field. And that's exactly right. Mission doesn't necessarily happen within the four walls of these church. Being missional can look like, like several different things. And at its core, I think it's about the incredible mission field right here underneath our nose. Making sure that we're not neglecting that. It's when you're at lunch after church today and your waitress gets your order wrong. Are you on mission? It's when you, you stop by the gas station to fill up with gas and you're kind of in a hurry. It's in your interaction with the gas station attendant. Uh, college students, it's, it's, in your, it's in your hangout night to, at the brush fire. Um, you know, it's, it's in your life group. People who are plugged in life group, it's in your life group. Um, parents, it better be getting spoken into your children. When we heard the, the word missionary a lot of times in our circles, we, you know, we kind of go, oh, it's, it's someone who's you know, sent out. No, 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 it's us. It's us here at Bethany. It's you. So here's the application. Um, I mentioned earlier uh, that Bethany traditionally has kind of been like, like a pay and pray church, okay? And we've got to fight to change the culture of thought here at Bethany about that. So what does that look like? What are some first steps, small steps, medium steps, maybe big steps? Um, what can I do? Um, I want you to know that there's a lot of options available to you. You know, short-term, long-term, medium-term, local, um, abroad missions. All of those things are available to you. We have a team going out in two weeks um, to Costa Rica. You know, we opened that up to the church. Um, and I want to give credit to someone. He doesn't know I'm doing this either. Um, we opened this mission trip up to the church. And last year we took, the, you know, the high schoolers down there and it was awesome. And this year we said, man, like we want to provide this opportunity to our people, to, to everybody, and open it up. Um, all, all college students signed up except for Dan Anders. 
it's like, so I'm like filling out the sheet, you know, they got to know like the ages of everybody, you know, that's going in like the passport number. So I'm like filling it all out. It's like 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, 28, 21, you know, 19, 64, <laughs> you know, like, and Dan, and I'm so, so excited um, that Dan is going with us because he brings so much to the table and uh, he's been doing this for a long time and it's going to be such a blessing. I want you to know that Dan, I'm, I'm excited that you're going with us. Um, all right, so this morning, we're going to take some time, um, and there's a few people that I've identified, uh, a few people who have some incredible experiences. Um, some of them, are, you know, are kind of more local, um, you know, short-term missions. Some of them are, like, have done kind of, like, some long-term abroad missions, things like that. Um, and, then, and then someone's going to talk about being missional in the workplace and at home and right here in Gunnison, Colorado, okay? And so Tyler's going to come up. This is Tyler Katrona. He's my boy. He's feeling a little bit under the weather, and uh, he was up late partying and worshiping God, like the flyer for Lake McConaughey says. Um, I love this guy, and he's going to share his heart a little bit with you, and then, uh, and then a couple others are going to share. So let's, uh, let's give him your attention. Yeah, I was working last night. Oh, can you bring up Micah 6-8? So this was a... Uh this is the verse that my mission trip to Ordway in Denver revolved around and what it pushed us to do. So here, he has told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? <clears throat> really, what else does he require of you? And uh, hmm. so I've been on two mission trips to Costa Rica and the Denver and Ordway. And the Costa Rica was, uh, it was pretty intense and uh, it was really life-changing to me. And so was Ordway. It was just, it was more local and, uh, and stuff. But yeah, this is definitely not a class of 15 people. <laughs> um, so, okay, well, Costa Rica is probably the most intense thing I've ever done in my life. You know, uh, you know, like eating down the forest with machetes between two drug cartels and, you know, just working with homeless people and really just like pimps and their their horrors and stuff, and, you know, the mission's really big when it comes to God, and you don't have to go out to Costa Rica and do all this crazy stuff out there, because it's right here in Gunnison, and you don't have to go all the way to Denver Ordway, really, you can go to Montrose, you, you can just, like what he said, you're now entering the mission field, it's right outside the door, and I just encourage you to, uh, just serve God and thank you. Hello. Um, my name is Cassie Duft, and I'm not very good at public speaking, so I'm a little shaky, so just bear with me. But um, Ryan asked me to share a little bit about my experiences with Mission Work 2. And, uh, okay. <clears throat> um, I grew up here in Gunnison. I went to high school here. And uh, I remember very clearly, like it was yesterday, I went to a desperation conference in Colorado Springs. And... Um, I've kind of always had a heart for missions. I got to go on a couple short-term mission trips when I was younger, which was awesome. And um, I remember going to the conference, and the focus was missions, uh, full-time missions. And they did an altar call um, and just asked people, if you're feeling God tugging at your heart to commit your life to full-time mission work, um, then they want you to st step forward and pray, and they want to pray for you. And I just remember being like, oh, crap. 
he's to- that's totally me. Shoot, <laughs> what am I going to do? And um, so I remember praying with them, and then I went up front, and they prayed for me, and it was really scary, but super exciting, and I just remember being super stoked about it, like, totally on fire for it. Um, and after that, I was able to go on a couple more short-term mission trips, and I, I had no clue what I was going to do. Like, God didn't lay out anything, really. So um, I just decided after I graduated high school that I'd go to nursing school and do medical missions, because that made sense. And uh, so I was at my my sophomore year of college in Grand Junction, and um, I went to church, and there was a group from YWAM there, and uh, they were talking about going on their outreach, and they were super excited, and they were talking about mission stuff and all this stuff, and um, I remember they were having worship, and I just started bawling, and I was like, I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And uh, so I dropped out of... Um, I don't know, I'm so emotional. Um, I dropped out of college <laughs> a week before classes started, and I sold my car, I sold all my furniture, and I was like, okay, God, I'm going. I don't know what you have planned, and this is terrifying, but I'm just going to do it. And uh, <laughs> I, I applied for four DTSs in Australia and one in the States, and I ended up going to the one in the States, <laughs> which is funny. But... um. I ended up going to the south and in North Carolina. And uh, DTS in YWAM is Discipleship Training School. So they basically train you how to be a disciple. And it's three months long. It's super intense. It completely changed my life and my perspective of God and my relationship with the Lord. And it was awesome. And um, we ended up going to India for three months. And we kind of traveled back and forth India through India. But... Um, India was a really hard place. It's a really hard place to, it's a hard culture. It's a hard place to live. Um, but it's amazing. There's so many beautiful things about it. And uh, I was very blessed to be there. Um, there's so many stories I could tell you. But um, one that impacted me the most was uh, we, it was towards the end of the trip. And um, they told us that we were going to pray, do a prayer walk around a temple. And they told us that there was going to be temple prostitutes and that was going to be our focus was praying for them. So we were like, okay, this is cool. We are like super stoked about it. And we pull up to this random house in this super sketchy neighborhood right next to a slum. And um, we get out and we go inside and there's women everywhere and kids running around and um, we were just like, okay, what's going on? None of us speak Hindi. I don't know what's happening. And our translator was like, um, this is where all the prostitutes live, and they've agreed to spend the day with you guys. And so we just want you to hang out with them and talk to them and pray with them. And we were just like, huh, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, we were not prepared for this at all. Um, but it was amazing. We got to drink chai, and we basically just like hung out with them all day long, and they let us ask them all kinds of crazy questions that I don't, I wouldn't have wanted people to ask me that, and they were so open with us and told us everything about their lives, and um, there's 43 families that live in one uh, community, and all of the women prostitute themselves at the temples, and most of the people who come are tourists, um, Americans and Indians, and they come to see this. It's a beautiful temple. It's super creepy. It's a, uh, but, um, yeah. So they, it's just every, it's just what they know. They've grown up in that atmosphere. They've grown up um, learning like that's what they're supposed to do. So, anyways, it was amazing. But um, I remember praying a prayer before I went into India that God would break my heart for what breaks His, kind of like the song Hosanna that we sing, and. As they were telling us their stories, I was just bawling, and I was so broken. Like, I could feel a itty-bitty, teeny-tiny piece of what God felt for them. And it wrecked me. Like, it was rough, but um, it was amazing at the same time, and it changed my life. So, uh, still hurt. Yeah, thinking about it, it's just crazy. Um, So, anyways... That was super awesome, like, that God took seven small-town girls, brought them to India, and then used us to just pray. Like, all we did was spend time with these women and say, you are valuable. You are worth more than the lifestyle that you're living, and God loves you so much. 
that was just amazing. That's all we did. That's all we did, and it changed their lives, and it changed my life. And um, I got to do, we came home, and uh, I got to do a couple more things. I did another YWAM school in Arvada, and we went to Brazil, and um, I won't share about that, because that's a whole other story. But um, if you guys want to hear any other stories, you can come talk to me whenever. But um, yeah, I just want to encourage you guys that never think that God can't use you because you don't have anything, because that's a lie from the pit of hell. And you all have so much to offer the Lord, and all you have to do is say, here I am, send me, and be ready and be available, and he can use you in amazing ways. And maybe you'll go to India, maybe you'll go to China, maybe you'll go to Costa Rica, maybe you'll go to City Market, maybe you'll go to Mocha's. It doesn't matter where you are. All that matters is that your heart is saying, God, here I am, send me, I'm ready, and he will use you, and it's going to rock your world. So, um, I was going to share verses. I forgot about them. But um, one verse that made me go to India was Isaiah 61. Um, It's kind of long, but um, I just felt like God was saying this to me. And so as you read it, just think of God saying it to you. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So I just want to send you all with that and maybe challenge you to read through this and say, God, is this me? Where do you want me? Here I am. Send me and just see what he does. So... Thank you for bearing with my stuff. Um, and then Josh Pierce is coming up. Too. So when I heard what Ryan was speaking on, I was kind of, okay, God's really been working on me in that aspect as well. And I was like, can I, can I cut in? Can I say something? And Ryan's like, yeah, I can give you, you know, two, three minutes. He don't know me very well, do he, in the words of Bugs Bunny. Um, I want to share a story with you. Um, Probably two, three years ago, I was blessed enough to be on a jury. Mm, It was about a three-week-long jury. Um, Met some great friends there. Uh, Had one that God, in particular, put on my heart. Some of you guys may know him, Mike Brown. He uh, worked in the lumberyard in Crested Butte. Um, Really didn't have any family here. Um, and God just kind of put him on my heart just to love on him, you know, and, uh, we got to playing golf together. We started playing cards together, uh, had him in my house for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, um, trying to, to, you know, just show him my lifestyle by how we live. Um, you know, went last, last December to give him his invite for Christmas dinner. Um, wasn't in his office and so I asked up front and they said that he had died two days ago Uh, this whole time with him on my heart um, God was really you know pressing in that I needed to spend more time with him needed to do more with him and I'm thinking you know more time more time I never told him about the Lord. Was that pause a little awkward? In the Bible, we're told we're going to have to give an account for everything we've done or haven't done with our lives. So when God asked me, why didn't you tell him? Why? Why must another one of my children die? My silent sin is going to be deafening. 
because I did nothing. I've got a poem here. Oh, and I just lost it. That's great. Uh, it's in a, it's in it's in one of my favorite books. I shouldn't say favorite. The Bible's my favorite. Um, but it talks about the one thing you can't do in heaven. And I, the title kind of caught me. And I was like, really? I mean, it's heaven, right? I can fish. You know, I can, you know, hang out. There's going to be all kinds of cool people to talk to. Um, the one thing you can't do in heaven is talk to a lost person. Whether it's your clerk at City Market, maybe a distant cousin in the family, um, maybe a good friend that you play ball with every year. Um, if they're not saved, they're not going to be there with you. And I, I, th- I think of my friend Jim, and I think this is kind of his, his poem to me. It's called My Friend. My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that somehow you're to blame somehow. On earth, I walked with you day by day and never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim and you easily could have led me safe to him. And though we lived together here on earth, you never told me of the second birth. And now I stand this day condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things that's true. I called you friend and trusted you. But I learn now that it's too late and you could have kept me from this fate. We walked by day and talked by night and yet you showed me not the light. You let me live and love and die and you knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life and trusted you through my joy and my strife. And yet, on coming to this dreadful end, I cannot now call you my friend. Uh, let's go to some scripture. Can you bring up Second uh, Timothy 4, verse 2? There's only two times you guys have to share your faith. Bible says it. It's pretty clear. Just two times. In season and out of season. It's really quite easy. Um, the calling is on all of us. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Preach the word. It doesn't say Ryan. It doesn't say Ryan. It doesn't say Tom. It's pretty open-ended. Preach the word. Second Timothy 4 verse 5. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. We've heard from Cassie, we've heard from Tyler. I see a church full of evangelists. They just don't realize it yet. Um, Tyler, I'm going to pick on you a little bit. Why don't we share the gospel? I mean, it's easy. You know, we can go, we can face drug cartels and wars, prostitutes, literally risk the potential of laying down your life. And yet, my neighbors live there five years. I've never told them about the gospel. Never. Why can we go away and do it? Maybe because we don't have to face the ramifications, the laughter. Um, Some people have a natural ability, and I believe Tom is one of those, a God-blessed ability to be good at certain things. You know, Tyler's a great baseball player. You just born that way, knew, knew where the, you know, the play from second to third, you know, you knew what to do in a pickle. How did you get good? Practice. Hey, practice. Yeah. None of us know maybe how to share the word, how to kick in the door and, and talk to the checker at City Market that seems like she's having the worst day ever. Um, I'm not good at sharing my faith. I have neighbors that don't know. I have friends and coworkers that don't know. 
but God's really working on me in that aspect. And he kind of put it on my heart. He said, I've got two boys. They both play ball. We live at the ball fields pretty much, you know, at least four nights out of the week with their schedules. And I like to play ball. God kind of put it on me. If you would practice living the gospel, sharing the word, as much as you practice with the boys for ball, you'll get better at it. I will bless it, you know. I'm going to be there for you. And it's going to come out awkward. It's going to sound like babbling and share your faith, share your testimony. But he's going to bless it. And each time it gets a little easier. Each time you get a little better at it, you know. Each time. Pretty soon you're going to state, you know. You're liking this. It's just, you know, it's second nature. I mean, there's people that are blessed that way. But we all have that unique calling. Do the work of an evangelist. It's, it's pretty simple. You know, one of the things I have the hardest time with, with some of my neighbors and, and people, the whole world, this whole country, knows what the church is against. Uh, we've made that pretty clear. Abortion, um, you name it. You, we all know things that the church is against. Nobody knows what we're for. I look around here. We've got college kids, you know, and they bring in new college kids. We've got construction workers. We've got clerks. We've got people in all aspects of this community. You go out into the mission field every day. I went to work every day waiting for that opportunity to talk to, to Mike. I can say oh, the, the opportunity never came up. It wasn't a good time. And the Lord will say, really, I put you in a room with him for three weeks on a jury. I let you guys play golf together, hang out together. He was in your home for meals. The world knows what we're against. What I want to encourage you guys to do is go out into your places of work, take the extra time, let them know what we're for. Will you let them know what the church is for, what Jesus is for? Or will there be silence? Yeah. I, we all brush our teeth, hopefully at least twice a day. You know, I, I'm hoping. Some, yeah, sometimes you miss. Um, I want to encourage you guys, you know. That's part of, part of good health. Um, be intentional. We each have people in our lives. Twice a day, try and start telling someone about the Lord. Twice a day. You know, I'm going to tweak Ryan's true lie a little bit today. Um, you've heard the saying, preach the gospel and sometimes use words. My life didn't save Mike Brown. Praying over meals didn't save Mike Brown. Being a good person didn't save him. Preach the gospel and always use words. Thanks, man. You guys watch out. If, he, uh, if you invite Josh over to your house, you might find... Uh, Something stenciled above your door as you walk out, so just be careful there. But uh, hey, um, this is Travis, and uh, Travis came and grabbed me. And Travis has been working up at, uh, at the Adventure Experiences Camp up up Taylor, and uh, I actually worked there um, cleaning up the kitchen when I was like a sophomore. So anyway, um, kind of cool. But um, Travis, Travis is not from around here, right? Um, but he's he's kind of um, noticed some things. Um, the last few weeks, God has placed something on his heart, uh, and he wanted to take just a moment to share as well. Uh, this morning, he was touched. So this is this is Travis. Let's let's hear him out. Hey guys, uh, Ryan didn't know I was going to do this. Um, God just kind of laid it on my heart when we're talking about missions. Um, these last few weeks have really uh, hit me. Stuff that Tom's been talking about, and Mike and Roy last week, and um, I've only been up here for a little over a month, and. Uh, I've seen a lot of things, met a lot of people that um, most of them didn't know Jesus, and um, 
in the last three weeks, I've picked up two hitchhikers going different directions, and uh, which I love picking up hitchhikers. It's just something I like to do. Um, but neither one of them uh, knew who God was, and I was praying in the car the entire time that God would give me courage to say something to them. And um, just like Josh said earlier, uh, I didn't. I didn't have the courage, and uh, I regret that, and I always will. And every time a person I meet that I do not tell, it breaks my heart every single time. And uh, it should break our heart. It should hurt us every single time. Because when we get up there, God's going to ask us why we didn't say something. I know Tom's been working at the college um, for a while now. And I know his mission is to reach out to those college kids and so many of them come here because Colorado's beautiful state. We've got these mountains. Um, I've loved every second I've been here. Um, but most of them come here broken, and they all have a story to tell. And, you know, Josh said twice a day, try, try to tell someone about it. You know, those two times, one of them could be your testimony. Because if you were saved by grace, you have a testimony to tell. And there are plenty of times where you could bring that up. I know where I, I know the, God, the times that God has broken me, and um, there's plenty of chances to talk about that. The second time could be where they're broken. I just met a guy on top of Cottonwood Pass the other night. Um, me and a friend were just hiking to the top up there, and we came down and we were talking about God and a few other things. And um, he, I overheard of us, I guess, and um, came up to us and started talking to us and. We found out that uh, his girlfriend had just broken up with him, that he, just, he had just lost his job, and he was having to find a new house. Um, basically, his life was just destroyed. And we asked him if we could pray for him, and uh, we prayed for him for like 20 minutes or something, and he was bawling at the end of it and said that he had been to church when he was little and stuff, and he knew who Jesus was, but, um, you know, it didn't, didn't really ever click. He never really understood and us showing him a little bit of mercy and um, making him understand that there's someone who cares was all that he needed. And, I mean, it's so easy, but a lot of times we lack the courage and the faith. But at the end of the Great Commission, Jesus said, I am with you always. And he is always standing right next to you and will help you through it if you just rely on him. That's all I have. Thanks. Thank you, Travis. Thanks for being obedient um, when the Spirit plays something on your heart. Appreciate that. Um, I just want to share real quick. Um, um, we're, we're getting close, I promise. Um, I just want to share my first experience with missions. We, you know, we've talked this morning. You've heard, you know, you've heard there's been short-term missions, long-term. I mean, we just had a couple of weeks ago had people go over to Delta, um, you know, a, a church thing to go over and just help um, do some landscaping and things for, for, for a boys club. I mean, there's tons of opportunities all the time. Um, you know, so we talk about, you know, missions away and how you don't have to do that. Look, it, it's a great starting point. If you don't know where to start, um, because that can be just as life-changing um, for you as it can be for the people who you come in touch with. And it was for me when I was 15, I went to Juarez, New Mexico, just right across the border from El Paso. Um, uh, and that was a long time ago. And now it's like one of the most violent cities in Mexico. So I, I, I'd probably still go back. But, um, and so I'm there and I'm 15 and this is kind of like pivotal time in, in my life. First time I've been, um, you know, away from home pretty much like by myself with, with a youth group or anything. First time I've been out of the country. Um, and so we go down there and um, our, like our host church was in a landfill. Um, and so we're staying, you know, these people, they, they build their homes pretty much out of anything they could find, scrap metal, cardboard, um, you know, like egg cartons, whatever. And um, so our host church, they're, they're in this landfill, and these children, they have nothing. What they play with is they, there's these huge, like, dirt ant piles, like the fire ant piles, and they play with the little fire ants. Like, they sit in these big piles of dirt, and they play with these ants. That's, that's what they play with. Um, you know, there's needles and dead German shepherds in the middle of the road. <laughs> I mean, just like, I was, and, you know, and here I am, I'm like 15. I was like, this, this is crazy. And so we're like supposed to be going around, like inviting people to, a, um, to wait, a fiesta. I was going to siesta. That's a, that's a nap, I guess, but a fiesta. And we're going to have like this big party and do some praise and worship and all this stuff. And 
And so we're, we're walking around and, and, and we're um, inviting people. And, and it's like me and like one other dude um, and then like, and like three girls from our youth group. And so we're walking up and down the streets and we're inviting people. Hey, come, you know, we have a translator because we don't know what the heck we're saying. And so, hey, come to our fiesta. You know, that's all we know, fiesta. And so, um, and so we're inviting people and, um, and I look down the way and there's this group of, you know, probably like, like 10 guys, kind of like stocky guys. And they have like their hair nets with the combs, like sucking their hair, you know, and like the white wife beaters. And they're kind of doing like the, you know, the walk and, you know, and, and I'm like 15. So I'm like, I'm like, Oh boy. What's going on here? They're like walking at us, and they like look like they have you an agenda, you know. And so I was like, "Okay, okay, God, please be with us. I'm really scared, blah, blah, you know." And and I was just like, "All right, God, like, um, look, we just, I just, I don't know. I love you. I guess I don't. This is weird. I don't even know why I'm here. I think my parents told me I could go, and I thought it was a good idea. And so, and so, um, so we're walking, and and I look, and these guys, they just kind of stop. And they turn around, they take off, and I look down this way, and down the street coming at us from the other angle is like this group of like 45 students from Hope University um, down there doing missions as well. And so they come, and we hook up with them, and we're talking. And I was just like, okay, like, that, you know, it's just weird. And so this whole experience, and their church service on Sunday morning, you know, like we had to wear like, you know, it's like 114 degrees, and we're in like long sleeve button-up shirts and like, you know, cargo pants, and, and, and it's hot. And, um, you know, the, it's like a scrap metal roof with the sun shining through holes and stuff like that. And, and they go like three hours and the guitars are out of tune, but they don't care because they're so in love with Jesus that they're just like singing and praising and they're there and they're just, they're into it. Um, and it changed my life because we have, we have it so good here. Everything I ever needed was provided for me. And pretty much everything I ever wanted. Um, and to see these people um, just content and happy and, and glorifying God um, with fire ants. And really trashy guitars that, I mean, like, don't, I don't even know if tuning is in their language, you know. And, and, and I was just like, man, God, this is incredible. And so there's like this pivotal point in my life where I go, okay, um, if these people can praise you and love you with this kind of a fire and this kind of a passion, what is wrong with me? Um, and yeah, I'm 15. I got some stuff I got to figure out. But that was my first experience with missions, and it changed my life. And I came back, and I, and I strived harder. Yeah, I still fail. Guess what? I'm human. I'm just as jacked up as the next dude. Where's Ryan, right? There's one. Jacked up. Um, we have bets going. How many times I can say the word jacked up in this sermon? There's three. Um, okay, so, I'm sorry. That was my first experience. Um, and, you know, then, and I got to go to Costa Rica, and I was with Tyler, you know, when we were, you know, serving this, this lady, you know, who, was, who had planted a church, and then, like, you know, the Colombian drug cartel and the Nicaraguan drug cartel moved in on either side, and they're, like, feuding drug cartels. I was with them there. And, and I've done these trips, and we're going again here in, in a couple of weeks, and I'm excited for that. Um, but two years ago at Christmas... There's a family right here in Gunnison um, who had three children, um, two of them, the age of, of some of my kids. And, and this family had, had nothing. And literally, um, these children wouldn't have had presents, um, any gifts, if it wasn't for, uh, for someone doing something about it. And so we, we became aware about it. And originally I thought, hey, this could be a really cool project. We'll, ha- we'll pass it off to a life group, you know, and they can take it and they can kind of own it and they can, you know, like kind of like take in this family and, and do some nice things and get some gifts for them, do some things like that. You know, so I sent like an email out to like a couple of our life group leaders. Well, th- like then they took it and then like multiplied it and sent it out to like different people. And all, th- all of a sudden, within a matter of days, I'm, I start getting calls from businesses in Gunnison um, like legit businesses, like threads and treads and like all these places. And, and what, what originally I had hoped would be like a life group just kind of taking it blew up into this huge community response. And by the time it was all said and done, $1,300 came in so that we could get clothes and, and presents and told, you know, and all this stuff for these kids on top of that, like, like, a, like truckfuls trucks full of, of presents and gifts and like, you know, like legit stuff from Target. 
Like, uh, you know, and like, and so we take it over there like the night before and the kids are in bed and we take it over and like, and we start piling these presents in and like stacking them up and literally like taller than their, than their Christmas tree. Um, it was insane. The response that we had. And, um, and we got to take, they have an older boy who, who went to the, to the valley school and we got to take him over and, and. Uh, a couple days after Christmas to get him like just some new clothes. And we, so we take him into JC Penney's and, and he's just kind of like, I don't know what I like. I've never done this before. So I was like, all right, come here. I was like, come here. And so I take him like, I'm like, stay here. And I put him inside of the changing room. I just sit there. And so I just start going and like grabbing stuff and like, and like throwing it over. I'm like, do you like that? He's like, no. I'm like, all right, try this. And he's like, no. And so finally, you know, after about three or four hours, like he comes out and he has like this pile of stuff of, of new stuff that he liked. And he started to warm up and it was just like, it was so incredible. His guitar had a guitar. It was broken and then stolen, which I don't know why someone would steal a broken guitar. Um, maybe to take it to Mexico. Okay. I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry, that was wrong. I'm sorry. Um, and so, and so we, we went with some of the money that we got that came in. We, we went and we bought him a brand new guitar, like a nice like $450 guitar and an amp and like a strap and some picks and a tuner and like Katie. And, we t- and like just completely um, blew this family away with an incredible response of love for our neighbor. And that wasn't that wasn't me. That was that was you guys. That was your family. And that was other Christians that are worshiping God right now all across this town. It happens at home. I think it's important. Uh, I'm I'm closing, I promise. I think it's um, worth noting a couple of things that no person in the New Testament came to faith apart from the agency of a, f- of a human being. If you think about it, if you stop and think about it, there's example after example. Um, think about the Ethiopian in Acts 8. There was many ways that God could have reached out to this guy from a foreign land. But what happened? He sent an angel to Philip and he said, go. And so Philip went and he traveled and he proclaimed the gospel to this man and the dude came to know Christ. How about, how about the jailer? The Philippian jailer, a little bit in Acts 16. God could reach him in many ways at different times. Instead, he allowed Paul and Silas to be incarcerated and ultimately proclaimed the gospel to him and his family, and they were all saved. And how about Cornelius, a man who was searching for God in Acts 10? And an angel came to him and spoke to him and said, you need to go out and, and find and meet a man named Simon. Simon Peter. And the, and the angel could have proclaimed the gospel right there to him. But he said, no, no, go. You need to find this guy named Simon Peter. And so he went and he found Simon Peter. And he used Simon. And God wants to use you. I want to end today in Matthew 9. where We find Jesus right in the middle of his ministry. We're going to start on verse 35. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. Will you go? Just as the words of the song that we sang earlier say, I will go, I will go, I will go, Lord, send me to the world, to the lost, to the poor and hungry. Take everything I am, I'm clay within your hands, I will go, I will go, send me. I think it's important this morning to examine our hearts during this response time, and ask this question. Is this the cry of my heart, or are these simply words rolling off my tongue? People, God is moving. We've got to stay faithful to the vision and the mission that he's given for us here at Bethany Baptist Church. He's going to continue moving. Are you in? Are you on board? Because being missional is not just for pastors, not just for professional Christians. It's for you. It's for us. So let's go.
We're going to do our response time this morning. And um, there's a couple options during this response time. Um, we have so many prayer requests back here on this board. People who are broken, who are hurting. Um, I'm sure some of yours are up there. Um, go back. Read through and pray for some of those people. Be on mission for them. If you have a prayer request, write it down. There's people in here throughout the week praying for you. Of course, you can sing. Uh, they're going to they're gonna play a song. And, um, and, and just pour your heart out and say, God, I want to be on mission for you. I will go. God, send me. Um, I'm going to be up here. If that's you this morning, um, if you're like, all right, I've been dodging this. I've been avoiding this for too long. And again, it doesn't have to look like Costa Rica. It's beyond these walls. Um, but if God is stirring your heart this morning and you just, you just want prayer uh, or you want to you bounce something off me or you're kind of chewing on this and God is, you just don't know, um, I'll be up here. Um, and, and I would love to pray with you or hear your heart. Um, um, so this morning, I just, I, I just want to encourage you to, to respond. Pursue the attitude of your heart this morning during this response time. Um, let's just take some, some time here. Let's, let's just worship him and, uh, and abandon ourselves this morning to him.